Hi, I'm Steve Fortunato, uh, founder of Shovel the Sidewalk, and, and welcome to Sidewalk Talk. Uh, Shovel the Sidewalk is a marketing firm in Buffalo, New York. We help small businesses, uh, we help build their brands, and we help them uh, create their advertising, and we do that through authentic storytelling. And that's what this podcast is all about. Uh, we help share stories, share stories of inspiration, uh, and stories that will uh, connect people to each other in particular in the, uh, in the Western New York area. And today uh, in this podcast, we are joined by Christina Groff, the president and CEO of the Cheektowaga Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Christina, thanks for joining us. I'm sure it's been a, an interesting couple of weeks for you. Oh, to say the least, I think everyone could say that. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing here. Sure, I mean, this is our way, right? We, um, we're a small business. We can't. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't. We can't create help creating masks. And we can't do stuff like that, right? So we're trying to figure out how can we help the community. And so uh, any way that we can share information with each other, uh, in particular during this time, that's what we're going to try to do. So, um, what? So, so how many members do you guys have? And that you want to sure, share? sure. So we represent um, just over three hundred and fifty member businesses and then several of the employees and individuals throughout the community. Well, look, I mean, let's, let's be real here. <laughs> I, I, we, we talked before today is uh, March 26th. Um, <clears throat> you know, so as far we're, we're into this pandemic thing full go now. Um, what are you hearing? What are you hearing from your members? Yeah. So, you know, obviously it's such an unprecedented situation. Nobody anticipated that we'd be here. Steve, you and I met, you know, for the first time, what, just a few weeks ago yeah. and, and how drastically the world has changed since our last conversation. Um, what we're hearing from a lot of our members, and I guess even to backtrack a little bit on behalf of the chamber, our goal right now is to be able to push out as much factual, credible information and, um, you know, a number of resources that we can help our businesses navigate the waters through whatever this looks like. You know, I've said, I don't know how many times over the last um, few weeks, but we know that we're not going to have all the answers, but we promise that we will help to navigate and find solutions, um, whatever that looks like for our members. So, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of um, layoffs, quite honestly, um, and we know that businesses specifically are struggling. Our, um, you know, restaurant businesses are, are trying their best to pivot to the best that they can and, and navigate through what, you know, takeout and curbside delivery only looks like for them. Um, but so many of our businesses, you know, we fielded a lot of questions when the executive orders came out, uh, if they're essential, non-essential, what that looks like. Um, so we've, as the Chamber of Commerce, really been working to play that conduit to um, get access to quick responses and answers um, for the membership and be able to support what they're doing. Now, th this morning, the, the, uh, the first jobs report since the pandemic came out, we expected uh, uh, record numbers. We got it. It was expected to be three million on in, in unemployment claims. It ended up being like three point two million or something like that. It was yeah. a lot, most in history. Uh, at the same time, the the third stimulus package was went through uh, unanimously under in the Senate. That is last night. Right. Uh, I'm assuming it will go right through and pass through Congress. Um, as a small business owner, now I haven't sat and read this, uh, so I'm reading the highlights and the cliff notes. Um, I, I thought it looked pretty positive for, for, for small business owners. 
Yeah, it seemed to be. Um, I think the House is set to uh, have a vote on Friday, I believe, and, and have some time to review that over the next day. Um, I apologize. This is the real <laughs> no, truth. What this is the real. This is the like new. Right now. Yeah, it's the new world. I mean, this is what <laughs> yeah, happens. It's not. It's it's fine. It's yeah. Presents its own guys. Of challenges. Yeah. What are their What are their names? So, go ahead. Tell them your name. What's your name? Can you tell? How about you? Yeah. Yeah. So we have Mia and Ava. Hi, Mia and Ava. All right. Why don't you go back out with Daddy, please? Okay. Good. We'll work on that a little later. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. So um, the, the new world and, and the yeah. beauty is this is the kind of thing that happens. And for those that are listening, <laughs> I think you could probably figure out what happened. You know, we're on a, we're, we're, we're not, we're doing our social distancing. We're, we're right. doing this online. A lot of kids, well, no kids, kids aren't in school. Not at all. Yeah. Thing, thing, things happen and, and interruptions yeah. happen and it's, it's part of the new world. And I think it's real. And I think it's, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Yeah, no, it's yeah, so. real life for sure. But That's yeah, it. and, you know, looking at the unemployment numbers, um, I think it was, you know, New York State had said they, they saw within a week a 400% jump in unemployment filings. And that's making it a real challenge with our, you know, local businesses that really are faced with having to lay off their employees. And then knowing that, you know, they are going to have a challenge trying to get into the system and file and be able to keep um, you know, regular income coming in. Well, I, I think and the biggest challenge for small businesses was is cash, cash flow, right? Cash flow, totally. So uncertainty is, is obviously a problem, um, sure. you know, because you really don't know. But when I look at what's happening, so a lot of people projected, okay, obviously cash flow is not going to be there. Um, everyone's got a cash flow problem. But now, if I understand the bill correctly, if um, you can there's there's small business loans and it could right. become a grant if you use that money to retain employees now what does exactly. that mean but what does that mean for for businesses that that already had to lay off employees does that mean they'll yeah. bring them back well they how does that go down? and how does that how does that work yeah those are you know the exact questions that we have and are trying to get answers on too because with that degree of uncertainty businesses have been forced to make decisions quickly and i think that it would um, not be prudent to be able to have those businesses excluded from any kind of benefit like that. So we're really interested to see the final bill language and be able to review that um, and dive through. I think it was like an 880 page document that we saw last night. Um, but, you know, we've also been trying to keep in regular contact and communication with our local elected officials and, and helping um, as far as that goes. Um, you know, I think the difference between the grant and the loan because it's such a degree of uncertainty, I think many of and the vibe that we've been getting from our conversations is business owners are hesitant to want to take on additional loans when the nature of how they're going to facilitate doing their business when we return to whatever this new normal might look like in a few months is going to have to look very differently than it did before. And the capacity to be able to continue to pay off those loans and, and um, you know, keep up with that is... Uh, yeah, uncertain. Um, we've been doing a lot with uh, the SBA economic injury and disaster loans. I actually immediately following the podcast, I'm going to hop on a training um, to learn a little bit more about the application process so that we'll have the ability to navigate our business members through um, the process and answer questions and, 
you know, to the best of our ability there too. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the second part where I'm like, you know, as a small business owner myself, I'm like, well, that's great. But how, what's the, how long is it? I mean, we've all been through, you know, red tape before. I can't imagine how are they going to be able to, to get relief this as quickly as it needs to be. Is it going to be too late for some businesses? Sure, sure. And, you know, it is. That's, we keep saying uncertainty, but it is uncertain. I think there's hope in seeing the Senate come together with the, in the way that they did, the manner they did with pushing that vote through last night. And I'm interested to see how it'll move through the House now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll see, you know, the, the messaging keeps continuing to be that it needs to be in the hands of the American people quickly and how we see that come to fruition, I think is going to be the, the turning point of it all. So uncertainty is, uh, it, it creates, uncertainty creates in my mind negativity and there's such strength in positivity. So um, I, there's no doubt, and you and I talked before, before we started recording this podcast, that there is no doubt that we're going to get through this. Uh, it's just what, what we're not sure what's going to look like when we get through this. So those businesses that, that's, that had that emergency funding, you know, they didn't predict a pandemic, but you, there's yeah. something, there's always something that's going to happen. There's going to be a downturn and they could come out of this really strong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's interesting when we hear so much uh, about the businesses that are pivoting what their normal, um, you know, day-to-day -day looks like, what their normal operations look like to be able to in turn serve the community and help the community through the situation too. You hear of the distilleries that are, you know, switching their productions to uh, hand sanitizer, you know, to be able to do that on a dime and be able to get those, um, you know, supplies that we need right back into the community. We've connected already a few of our local food producers um, to distilleries because they're needing hand sanitizer and, um, you know, those, those critical pieces to be able to continue operating. So I think that's where chambers of commerce can play a critical role, not just in helping to navigate the business community through this now, but also helping to shape and craft and, and build what the communities um, are going to look like going forward. No, you know, to be able to just make those connections. That's well put. That, that's, that's exactly it. And uh, it is so interesting to see uh, how obviously communication is changing. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be permanent or not, but, but I find it interesting that um, we're all, I, I see a lot of people, we just seem to be more willing to share information with each other to try to help each other out. Yeah, and absolutely. are you guys seeing that? Are you, are you, I see a lot of different um, groups just saying, let's get on a call together now. I mean, let's, let's spend a half hour and exchange ideas. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and I was having this conversation yesterday as well. Um, you know, I, what we need to have happen is more uh, conversations like that. You know, when we're, if it's an industry roundtable or um, some type of facilitated conversation where we can get, uh, when you look at the industries that are most going to be impacted by this, um, specifically in the tourism industry, can we get all of those people on a quick call now? tell us, you know, about the challenges that you're facing. And many of them, of course, we know and we can surmise, but until we hear from boots on the ground, people that are working in the day-to-day -to, -day, to be able to share pain points or best practices of how their teams are navigating through this, I think only then when we convene everybody together, will we be able to get a sense of how 
you know, external organizations like the Chamber of Commerce or like business associations, trade associations can really play a key role in, in moving entire industries past this. Um, you know, piggybacking on that with the, um, the hospitality and the tourism industry, I've been talking to some of our partners um, in hotels and, and throughout some of the uh, airline industry and the hotels, we've heard from uh, some of our members that conferences have already been canceled well into the fall uh, because that degree of uncertainty. So, you know, when you all of a sudden lose all of your revenue derived from food and beverage or any of the trade, um, trade conferences and trade shows that are coming in, that's a significant portion of revenue, not just for that business, but um, tax flow. And, and taxes into the, the local economies, the regional economies and throughout the state. So I think it's gonna be critical that we have the right conversations and put the right pieces in, into motion to be able to, um, to move forward. And we will move forward, uh, but it, that's where I'm excited about my role with the chamber and, and my staff team's role with the chamber, that we can be the, the conveners. What's your one piece of advice for that small business owner they have 25 employees they're holding on and they're trying to figure out where to go what what's what this is going to look like when we come out at the other end mm -hmm. what's what's your what's your piece of advice for for for, for the business owner right now mm, that's a great question you know i think communicate and don't feel like you're siloed i think sometimes it's easy when you're trying to manage the day-to-day -day and you know as a small business owner you're trying to do the absolute best that you can for your employees and and to protect your teams and and help see them through that this time of uncertainty too and there are a lot of resources out there and available and sometimes it's tough when you're trying to keep the day-to-day -day up to be able to navigate and figure out what the heck those resources are or mean or um, try to sift through the wealth of information that's coming out there. So I would recommend reaching out to a local chamber of commerce. Of course, I'm biased there. Um, but any, any organization in the area, because we are all working diligently to help, um, you know, digest that information and navigate to those resources. So when our businesses are you know hearing that they are or, or trying to figure out um, what to do with their staff teams maybe cash flow is not so great even i'll say on the personal level i had to do a lot of digging for our team on how best to go through um, an employment insurance and what that could look like and what be able to compile all the best options and um I learned a lot more about uh, Department of Labor's shared work program. So for companies, that's an alternative to laying off your staff to be able to allow them to collect par partial unemployment and reduce hours. So for right now, if you're a non-essential business, maybe there's not the opportunity for your staff teams to work entirely from home. There is availability for you to reduce number of hours as it relates to the amount of work that you have for your teams. Um, while working home or, or there's a lot of opportunities to shift around your your day-to-day -to, -day to do the best for your staff teams and and for the company as a whole so it sounds to me like your main message is if i'm hearing you clearly you're not alone you know as a business obviously i mean but i even though it's obvious that business owners are not alone sometimes you just feel isolated and if you can break out of that isolation and call 
you know, contact your chamber or contact someone, contact a competitor. Yeah. And talk about it. Absolutely. I think the key thing is that we are all in this together. You know, we're all, this isn't just, oh, my business is facing these challenges. And sometimes I think we tend to look internally and be more introspective about, well, what did I do? What, what can I do better? Or how can I fix this? There should not be an I here because we are all facing this very similar challenges and struggles, not just as individual businesses or individual industries even, but as a community, as a, as a world. Um, so yes, you're not alone. And I think the most difficult thing, but the most rewarding thing is to speak up and say, I need help. Good advice. Um, another category of, I don't know, it's not business, but uh, category that, that, that has been, can't be forgotten, but has been forgotten or left behind right now would be in the charitable end. I mean, you know, I have, uh, we have, I've doctors and, and, and friends in the, in the cancer field and they're always like, you know, cancer doesn't just stop because there's a virus. Mm-hmm. We still got, we still got to take care of people, perform what we do, what we got to do to save lives. And when it comes to fundraising and charities, I mean, they still need that help, right? right. Uh, I know that's close to your heart. You, you are part of the inaugural um, Man and Woman of the Year for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Mm-hmm. So what, it's the first year, that's what inaugural means, right? Yeah. So what, how, how, is that, how is that going? Yeah, no, thanks for asking. It's, I think it's going to be interesting, um, just given the nature of the plans that the, the candidates had in place. So the way this works, it's not the first year for the program for the Leukemia and Lymphoma right. Society nationally, but it, it is definitely the first um, here in Buffalo. And I remain very, very excited about the, the program and the initiative. Um, so we have, I believe there's nine uh, business professionals throughout the Western New York community that have been nominated and accepted the challenge to uh, be a candidate through the program. So we'll have uh, a set number of weeks that will be allowed to fundraise. And um, at the end, uh, it's all in honor of uh, a boy and a girl uh, locally of the year. Um, So we're raising money in honor of them. Um, the girl is Lexi and the boy is Kamari and there's more details on the, uh, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society website. Um, but I think it'll be interesting the nature of how all of us as candidates will be asking for donations. Um, I have a very uh, close to my heart, as you mentioned, reason for accepting the nomination and, and wanting to participate in the challenge. Uh, this year, 2020, will be uh, the 10-year anniversary of my mom's diagnosis with acute myeloid leukemia. And um, shortly after my husband and I got married, we got married October 20, or uh, I shouldn't slip on the date, <laughs> this is public, <laughs> um, October 2nd. And by, um, by Thanksgiving, she had been uh, diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. And we had gotten to the point where, you know, she was really not experiencing any symptoms. She had a sinus infection that wasn't going away really, and uh, she was just tired. But we also had been running around planning a wedding for many months. So it was a definite surprise to have the doctors come back with a, um, a leukemia diagnosis. And that rocked our world. You know, when she got the diagnosis, they told us that 
Well, it could be two forms. There is chronic leukemia that is much um, more manageable and e easier to treat in the short term and, and um, the uh, survival rates are much better or there's acute leukemia that uh, is much more challenging and requires a very rigorous um, treatment. Uh, and the survival rates are not so good and they were always you know, very forthcoming with all that, that information. And our worlds at the time just kind of stopped. We all knew that we needed to do whatever we could to, to be there for her and get her through that. And to see the strength that she brought to not just the treatments, but um, the way that she was there for the rest of us. It wasn't only about her. She, she needed, um, she needed to know that things were going to be okay and that she was going to do whatever she needed to to get through it. She even went as far as to have a uh, a sign on her door at Roswell. She had stayed there throughout her treatment um, and was there for a couple months throughout regularly um, as an inpatient receiving treatment and had a sign on her door that said, no crybabies allowed. <laughs> so she's like, listen, if you're going to come in here and cry, that's not what I need right now. I need, I need the strength. I need to know that as a, a family, we're all going to get through this. And we did. And, um, you know, that experience changed. And we talk about it as a family, that experience changed the, tra the trajectory of all of our lives. Um, you know, I had put a hiatus on school at the time and um, I changed jobs just because I wanted to be able to, to be there for her. And when I uh, went back and was seeking additional employment, I found a position with the American Cancer Society and obviously believed so wholeheartedly in the mission of these national cancer fighting organizations that um, you know, I wanted to devote a career to it. And I learned so much in my time there um, that uh, it, it really, I wouldn't be involved in any of the things that I am without um, that experience. And now we want to make sure that we can be able to tell our story and, and do so in a way that not only will provide a sense of hope and inspiration to other cancer survivors, and, and in particular those battling acute myeloid leukemia like my mom did, but that there is opportunity for us to raise funds and uh, continue to fund critical research that is going to be um, impactful to, to address leukemia and um, really all cancers moving forward. How do uh, people help you out in this situation? What, where do they go? How do they, where do they, how do they donate? Yeah. So, I mean, it's also a, a key story of how people needed to pivot and shift. So we were supposed to have a, a big in-person um, kickoff hmm. and the kickoff date was the official launch of the uh, fundraising uh, portion. So that's been shifted a bit and kudos to the, the Leukemia Lymphoma Society and in particular the local Western and Central New York staff team. Um, so now it'll be a virtual kickoff via Zoom just like we're using here today. And um, from that kickoff date, we'll be able to support uh, online and um, through uh, social media channels. We'll have public links um, on all of our social media platforms and, and a website where uh, individuals and companies, organizations can donate as they see, see fit and have the means um, to do so to get involved. Uh, and then it'll commence, hopefully, if we're, you know, on the trajectory to head back to some sense of normalcy here, um, that it'll end with a, uh, a 
gala event uh, that people can attend and continue to support the LLS mission uh, on, I believe that date now is changed to June 20th. So when, so when would the kickoff be? Are you, are you guys collecting now or, or no? So not yet. Um, the kickoff is going to be, I believe, April 9th is the new date. All right. Well, and it'll run to the end of June. So do you have your own personal page that people can go to? I do. I do. Yep. Um, How do they find it? Yeah, so if you go to the, uh, just Google, <laughs> Leukemia yeah, right. Lymphoma Society, um, Western New York, and you'll see Man Woman of the Year campaign, and then okay. they have all of the candidates listed there. Uh, so you've got my, my photo and link, all of the personal pages are there. What's nice is especially the way that we're able to do this in honor of my mom, um, I am able to build a team of people to support. So it's, even though I'm, you know, the candidate participating, I have been given the opportunity to rally, you know, friends, family, um, any colleagues to be part of the team and also fundraise. So I think for our end of it, um, we're really able to get people involved on a more grassroots level uh, to, to leverage their own contacts and their own networks. And, you know, right now, especially with um, COVID-19 and the, the situation that we're in, I think there's an opportunity here to do something really positive and give back to um, to allow LLS to continue their mi mission and uh, and be relentless for a cure for leukemia and lymphoma. Uh, Christine, I appreciate your uh, your passion uh, and I, I wish you luck. It's uh, so check it out online. Uh, Man and Woman of the Year for Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Go to the Western New York section uh, and and you can look up uh, Christina Groff too and. And donate, uh, donate as, as you can. Um, yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah, sure. So Christina Groff, uh, President and CEO of the Cheektowaga Chamber of Commerce, appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate what you guys are doing at the chamber. Uh, and, and thanks for, uh, for trying to help everybody out. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on. And, and if I can help uh, anyone in any way, we'll, we'll do so. Thank you again. You thanks, can download Steve. all of our... Uh, a sidewalk Talk podcasts on your uh, platform of choice, whatever it is, Apple iTunes. You can also watch all of our podcasts. Uh, go to our website. Uh, we we have uh, we have uh, links to all the podcasts. If you have a story, or you have if someone you know has a story that just needs to be shared, go to our website. Fill out the simple form. We'll get back to you. Uh, the only investment will be you just got to give us your time for the twenty minute podcast. We will get that story out there. Uh, it's important, especially in times like this, that, that, that we share these stories. So thanks again, uh, Christina. Thanks again, everyone out there for listening and for watching, most importantly for participating. I'm Steve Fortunato, and uh, this has been Sidewalk Talk.